Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode two of season one of the Run and Rams podcast. I'm Gavin Bishow. I'm Colin Struckman. And our schedule today is loaded. We're breaking down the first two games for Rhode Island this year, including their first two games in Bubbleville against Stephen F. Austin and Towson. We're looking at the A-10 schedule, and we've got an interview with Rhode Island assistant coach Kevin Sutton. Very big, very big podcast we got for you guys today with Kevin Sutton joining on. So stay tuned and let's get into it. Karan Iverson clears it. Iverson gets away from the defense, dribbles into the forecourt. Iverson going up. He dunks it home as the buzzer sounds. And Rhodey, the 8 10 champs. With four, Oda, 30 feet away. Jumper in the air. He's got it. has won it for Rhode Island. Left to the corner, shot for three by Stan. Terrell down to eight seconds, gonna go right in traffic, off balance shot. Thank you, Jared Terrell. And for the first time since 2009, it's Rhode Island over Providence with the Ocean And again, before we start, I just want to give a shout out to Rody Sports on Instagram, Rody.sports, all lowercase, great edits, great graphics, and gives you all the up-to-date news for everything URI Rams basketball. Um, they do a great job over there uh, with giving out you know great information, and it's very fast, and it gets you right to the news and up-to-date, and always, always good uh, when it comes to Rody basketball, so I... Again, Sports on Instagram, all lowercase letters. Give them, uh, Check them out. Give them a follow uh, for your up-to-date Rody news. Now, getting into the first part of this podcast, we're talking about Rody's first games against Stephen F. Austin and Towson. Colin, tell us a little bit about Stephen F. Austin. Well, first of all, we just got to address the mascot. I mean, the Lumberjacks. Great mascot. That's got to be one. Great mascot. Oh, that's, Love it. That's just a great name. That That's probably one of my favorite mascots and all college sports without a doubt but looking into this team they were almost as good on the road as they were at home they were 16 and 1 at home and they were 12 and 2 on the road they ended their season hot they ended their season on a 15 15 game win streak after a kind of uncharacteristic loss against Texas A&M Corpus Christi this is a team that surprisingly lost to Alabama by 10 and Rutgers by 12 those are some decent teams but not great but they did beat Duke on the road which is probably the highlight Looking at this team, they're just a perennial powerhouse in the Southland. They've made the tournament in recent years in 2014, 2015, 2016, 2018. So this team has been deadly the past couple of years in their conference, and they're always a threat in the tournament. Definitely. And this is a sneaky good game for the Rams, and this team is very good. They lose their lead scorer, Kevon Harris, of course, senior guard. He averaged 17.5 points. Uh, last year for the Lumberjacks and let them set a 28 and three record, but they do have some other key players as well. Uh, in forward Gavin Kensel, six seven senior, who averaged 11.8 points and 6.8 boards. They have Cameron Johnson, uh, a guard, uh, lengthy guard, who averages about 11.4 points, and Rody Ware, who I think his biggest stat here is a sophomore, six three. He averaged 42.9 percent uh, beyond the arc last year. So something to look out for for the Rams in this upcoming game. Yeah, these aren't like household names like in college basketball, like mid, like from a mid-major school. But these are all really dangerous players. Kensmill, he's just an experienced senior. He's a really dangerous player to look out for. Cameron Johnson's a young sophomore. He could strike at any moment. He's one of the more underrated players in the country. Rody Ware, also really good player, also dangerous as well. And he's really good from a three-point range. Yeah, and look at these team these team stats. Obviously, you look at this number one stat right here, and this is why they're so good. 49.2% from the field, super efficient on offense, able to get the ball in the hoop at all times. I mean, that's like Dayton good. I'm pretty sure Dayton was at 50% last year with Obi Toppin. 49.2, you got to really step, on, uh, step up on defense and make some stops against this team if you want to beat them. But if you look at some things that are a little concerning, we look at the Lumberjacks last year, of course, using last year's stats. We have nothing this year, no games. Only 69% from the free throw line, which is 
below average, I would say. I, I would say average is around maybe 70, 75% in that area. And I think this is the this is their um, one key loss. I think they may be um, talking about this, maybe trying to improve it this year. One key set that really hurt them last year, even though they did, they did go 28-3, and 17.7 turnovers a game. That's just unacceptable for a team that's that good. I feel like if they want to win games, Stephen F. Austin, they got to lower the turnovers. And if you're the Rams, you got to stay aggressive and get and grab turnovers. You see teams uh, with 12 to 14, that's around the average, right? 17.7 turnovers is a lot. And if you or I can take advantage of that, they'll have a good, they have a good game against the Lumberjacks. I certainly would not expect that number from a team that was that good last year to turn over, turn it over that much. I mean, you just don't expect that. But this is a team that's really good from three-point range, like you mentioned before. So they're going to have to defend that really well. And they just got to stay out of foul trouble. I mean, th- this goes for every game. But I feel like this game specifically, you can't let them get to the free throw line and take advantage. And I'm going to specifically shout out Jermaine Harris because this is he just gets in foul trouble almost every game. You can't have that. You need all your forwards against a pretty big team. And they just got to take smart and conservative shots. This is a veteran team that can easily take advantage of big leads and jump out in games. So you just got to do those couple of things, and I think you'll be okay in this game. Hopefully, you or I can start the season with a win. For, for my keys to a victory for Rhodey, again, this game being played on Thanksgiving Eve, 11.30 a.m. on Flow Hoops. Actually, you might have to, I think you have to subscribe to that. It's $12 a month um, online, this website. I'm going to do it, obviously. A shame's not on any national television, but uh, it's 11.30 a.m. game on uh, the day before Thanksgiving. The, the keys for a roadie win is no easy looks. This is a team that can score, uh, or, or last year at least, they scored at will. So they can force them to make tougher shots, and if, if Stephen Austin makes those tougher shots, good for them. Let's play basketball. But you can't give them any easy looks with a team that already does phenomenal from the field on offense. Also, like I mentioned before, you have to play aggressive. A team that was very sloppy with the ball last year, you got to force turnovers and play aggressive. Also, uh, this is a key for nearly every URI game. Get free points from the charity stripe. When URI goes to the line 20, 25 times a game, they do unbelievable on offense because they're getting these free points, right? You get fast throws to the line. You get, uh, you get like someone like Jeremy Shepard to the line. Make free throws for the Rams. Get free points from offense. Also, for the final point I have is try to take what you can get, alluding to those free throws. Take what you can get. Get a, get a pair from the stripe. Make sure – take the easy shot. Take the good shots. Don't come out the gate like fast Russell. Don't like – not saying he will, but don't come out the gate taking four shots or taking shots you don't need to take necessarily. Get in a groove, relax, and just take nice good shots. Pass the ball around. Get some movement. And just take your open shots wherever you can get. If it's from behind the three-point line, no problem. If it's from the, the elbow, take it. Just take what you can get on offense because this is a team that's going to score a lot. Take the points you can get and get back and play some good defense. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I mean, Fats last year took a lot of bad shots, and now he doesn't really have to. He's got Jeremy Shepard. He's got Jalen Carey. So I think that's really going to help for, uh, for this team in this game. And that's going to be a big game for the Rams. Moving on, their next matchup, they play the Towson Tigers on Thanksgiving morning at 11 a.m. Again, on Flow Hoops at Bubbleville. They did lose their last, their three leading scorers last year in Brian Dobbs and Nake Sanders, uh, a, a guard and a forward, respectively, to graduation. And, of course, their secondary scorer, Alan Betrand, transferred, of course, to the Rhode Island Rams from last year. Yeah, I think not having him is going to be a massive problem for the Tigers this season. I think he was their best player last year. And fortunately, now he's with us now in, uh, in Rhode Island. Yeah, so the Towson Tigers are led by Pat Scary. He's in his eighth season right now as coaching. Last year, they did pretty well. 19-13, 12-6 in the CAA, ended up third in the conference. Not too shabby at all, but you look at this team, they have lost so much. Especially in your top three scores, it's tough to come back from that. And you're going to see a, a very inexperienced team here, led by some seniors, of course, but who haven't really been with the team as long. Look at their key players, Jason Gibson, a sophomore guard, and only around 6'1". He averaged 8.4 points last year. He's probably going to be one of the leaders on the team, as well as Cam Allen, a grad transfer senior from CSU Bakersfield. He averaged 7.9 points there for the runners last season, and they have a redshirt senior forward, Juwan Gray, 6'8". Uh, he averaged about 7 points, 4.3 rebounds. So I would say they do have 
you know, a person like Jawan Gray who's been there for a little bit and is used to the system. But I, when I mean inexperience, these players are not key key guys who were in the starting lineup last year. These are guys who are role players off the bench. Even Cam Allen didn't really play that big of a factor for the runners at CSU Bakersfield. And that's the Rams got to attack the inexperience and to go with the flow and just try to crush them in transition. Yeah, I mean, these are two pretty much inexperienced teams having kind of new teams, both URI and Towson. And these guys, they might not have the numbers, but they're all talented players. They can all have a big impact on this game, but you got to, you got to just take advantage. They're not as good as you. That That's just plainly putting it. So you got to take advantage early, jump out of the gate, get up to a big lead and hold it. And I think you can beat this team, probably not by a lot, but by a decent amount. And I think you should walk away with a win against Towson. There's no way you should lose this game. Definitely. this is You can't lose if you're a roadie. Looking at Towson's key t- stats from last year, though, they did shoot 77% from the free throw line. So you obviously can't be as aggressive on defense, especially down low. Can't give them those easy looks at the charity stripe as they've proven to make those. Only turned the ball over around 11.9 times last year. Very good uh, for them, but this is their killer. Even with Dobbs, even with Betran, they shot a measly 34% from the uh, from beyond the arc at the three-point line, which is, you know, not the best. And a key to a roadie win right there would be let them prove that they can shoot the three. All right. Maybe give them a couple looks at three. And if they if they can make if they start making threes, use that great three point defense that URI had all last year. URI was in the top fifty, uh, top I think top thirty maybe in three point defense. If they make the three, use that defense. But let them let them be let them be uncomfortable. Obviously, they can't shoot the three as well. Maybe they've gotten a little better over the last year. Probably. Um, but still, if you're the Rams, let them prove that they can shoot the three, and don't let them get any easy baskets. Especially with this young team, though, play fast. Play fast and play smart, right? If, if the one way to get rid of a team that's, you know, a little, less inex, uh, a little less inexperienced and less talented than you are is to use your speed and get out and run and tire them down until there's nothing left in them. Yeah, that's, that's what exactly I have here. I play in transition. This usually leads to a round win. We've seen that in years past with those teams led by EC Matthews, Jared Terrell. Those guys would stretch the floor so much. So you got to do that in this game if you want to win. You also got to defend the paint well. This can be a tall team. So this is, I think, a really big game for Makai Mitchell to prove himself, hoping he plays well in the first game. But the second game can be a bounce-back game for him if he plays poorly against the Lumberjacks. And you just got to attack, attack, attack. Get up early, hold that lead, preserve it, play some good defense, make some easy shots on offense, and I think you should walk away with the victory in this game. And, of course, went over Towson and Stephen Austin. Let's go over the URI Rams this year. Of course, losing Tyrese Martin, Jacob Toppin, Makai Long, Dan Tate, all the transfer is very tough for David Cox and company, but he seemed to wrap it around with some transfers, also losing seniors, Cyril Andrevine and Jeff Dowling. So a big turnaround for the Rams, but... I think we both have the same projecting starting lineup. We don't know if this is really going to be it or this is set in stone, but the consensus is this will probably be the starting lineup in Fats, Jeremy Shepard, Jalen Carey, Jermaine Harris, and Makai Mitchell. And, of course, we know Fats um, from last year being that player to really contribute big ways for this team, especially in the point totals, making key shots. I feel like with Jeremy Shepard and Jalen Carey, that load is a little bit uh, less off him. So – I think he has more like free uh, ability to do more than just shoot the ball. Yeah, we all know what Fats can do. We know he's an A10 all, you know, first team preseason, whatever that is. And he's a contender for A10 player of the year. We know how good he's been, but we don't know what Jeremy Shepard and Jalen Carey can do yet. So we're going to get to see that in these first few games. And we can kind of tell that Fats may have to be kind of more of a game manager and he can kind of succeed in that role, which I think he's much better at than having to be that guy that always has to take the big shot. Now he's got two other really good shooters that can fill in for him. So I think that's going to be big for this team. Like we talked about last week with Stone Freeman, Jeremy Shepard being very good from three. He's going to be crucial. We'll see how he finally does. I'm very excited to see how he plays. Jalen Carey, we didn't see a lot of him. In two years at Syracuse, of course, last year he had a thumb injury that sidelined him out for the rest of the year. So it'll be surprising to see how he plays. He's more of a mid-range guy. Is he more of a three-point guy? Does he drive a lot? So that'll be something to see. Um, Makai Mitchell, big-time shot blocker from Maryland. So I think it's one of his um, is one of his top 
you know, traits as being a, a big shot blocker with those long arms. Being 6'10 is huge for the Rams on defense. And then hoping for a big step up from Jermaine Harris. And he did show flashes. He has shown flashes, uh, flashes in the last couple of years. His freshman year against West Virginia, he had a great game. He also started off pretty well against Dayton at home when they got thumped by the Flyers, who were number three in the nation, but still showed a bit of light, thinking, saying that he can, he can contribute to this team. And this year, which is very good for the Rams, unlike last year, depth. They had a, they had a lot of, they have a lot of depth this year. They had a lot of moving pieces last year that left and stayed. It was very confusing. Uh, the Rams did not. They probably, I think, they had seven or eight guys uh, on the team that could play totally uh, on scholarship. But this year, they got the likes of Ishmael Leggett, Mikel Mitchell, DJ Johnson, Antoine Walker, and Malik Martin coming off the bench. That should help them out a lot this year. Yeah, last year, the bench was a huge problem. They didn't really have that much production from the bench. Losing Mikai Long was big because he could always step in from the bench and play well. And now you have Mikel Mitchell, who's going to be a monster. You have Antoine Walker. You know what you're going to get from him. DJ Johnson's going to be interesting to see. You have all these kind of new faces that's really going to help be productive for this team. Having a good bench is so critical to being a contender in the A-10 Rhode Island has that now, and that's going to be big if they want to win an A-10 championship this year. And the overall message I want to send here is that if Rhode Island can spark it up on offense, they're going to be a hard team to stop. This team looks like it's going to have a gr- it's shaped up to have a great year on the defensive side with Malik Martin again, CUSA defensive uh, all defensive team last year at Charlotte. We have Ishmael Leggett, who we know is a fast guard who can get steals. Uh, on defense, Mikel Mitchell, another big guy like Makai's twin, and DJ Johnson, Antoine Walker, again, physical players who are tough for the Rams. So if this team can really get it going on offense, Jalen Carey, Jeremy Shepard, uh, Makai Mitchell, Fats, if they can get the offense going, and of course Fats, he almost led the nation in seals last year per game, it's going to look good for the Rams. Yeah, two big games. If you go 2-0 and here, I think that's going to be a huge step. I think think they'll go one and one just my my realist kind of prediction but I'm hoping they can go two and oh I think it'll be tough against Stephen F Austin I think they'll kind of narrowly lose that game but then I think they'll they'll beat Towson by a decent margin I think that should be a double digit one hopefully and moving on we talked about last episode we talked about URI's schedule there have been tweaks already uh like we mentioned so we said that the game for Western Kentucky was the 19th of December. It has been moved to the 13th of December to make room for URI's A-10 schedule coming up. They start a little earlier in December. So they start off with Davidson on the 18th. Then they go a 12-month, uh, 12-day break. They play St. Bonaventure at home uh, on the 30th of December. Then St. Joe's at home on the 3rd of January. They're on the road against Richmond and VCU on the 6th and 9th, respectively. George Mason on the 16th of January at home. On the road at Duquesne on the 20th of this, uh, on the 20th of January. Versus George Washington at home on the 24th. At LaSalle in Dayton. And at Dayton on the 27th and 30th of January. Versus VCU at home on the 3rd of February. Then on the 6th of February, they play Massachusetts. Then they're Big two games here on the road at St. Louis and at Davidson on the 10th and 13th of February. And on the 16th of February, they play Dayton at home, Fordham at home on the 20th of February. Uh, and they finished the, the schedule with two away games at UMass and at St. Joe's on the 27th of February and the 2nd of March. Yeah, there's no real gimmies in this conference. There really isn't. There's some really good, really deep teams this year. Dayton still has depth. I mean, Davidson's a really good team as well. You know, you've got St. Louis and Richmond at the top, Duquesne and St. Bonaventure vying for that top spot as well. VCU's usually a really talented team. The only teams that are going to be towards the bottom and really easy to beat are probably Fordham, St. Joe's, maybe LaSalle. Hey, UMass even got better. Trey Mitchell's going to be a lot better this year. So there's no gimmies this year. You got to take every game seriously. There's no game that's easier than the next. Even though some teams might be worse than others, every game's going to be difficult. This conference is going to be a battle this year. So before actually last episode, right after we re- released the last episode, the all the A-10 awards came out. Fats Russell, A-10 first team uh, selection. He did not get defensive team, which is, you know, 
a little shocking there. But most importantly, like the projections came out and the Rams were projected six, obviously a little low. David Cox thinks so. He's going off saying something to prove, something to prove, something to prove. The Rams at six, they have five teams ahead of them. They only play one of those teams twice in Dayton, who was projected third. The other teams in front of them, I'm pretty sure they're St. Bonaventure, Duquesne, Richmond, St. Louis, with the other four teams in front of them besides Dayton. They only play them once. So just a little fact there for the Rams could be good or bad. Now that we've gone through that schedule, let's look at quickly some NCAA news that we thought we'd let you know. First off, Colin, do you want to talk about the Ivy League? So this does kind of worry me a little bit because we saw this before. Weren't they the first ones to cancel the football season, Ivy League? They were the first ones to cancel the football season and uh, their conference tournament. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're the smartest league. I mean, that's for sure when you got Harvard and Yale in there. Uh, But this is interesting because we could see some other conferences cancel. I don't believe we've seen any others besides the Ivy League. Am I correct there? Yeah. Yes. For all we know, yes. Okay, so, yeah, as we're recording right now. As we're recording it now, yes. The Ivy League's the only one. But I'm hoping this doesn't affect anything else. But this year has been so weird. It's been so messed up. We really don't know. I mean, we could see – I think we'll see a lot of games get moved around probably. Hopefully, we can have March Madness in March. I know, like, I saw Rick Pitino saying they should delay the season to save it and make it, like, May Madness, which could be interesting. But the Ivy League is obviously the smartest league. And, you know, they, they were the first ones to kind of predict it last year when they canceled their conference tournament for basketball. So I'm hoping that we can have everything in place. But just as kind of a knowledgeable fan, I don't know if that's going to happen. But you got to have faith somehow. So I'm hoping that nothing gets moved around anymore. Mm-hmm, totally. And, of course, the Ivy League canceling just – not, not even just like non-conference, but the whole season is a little bit concerning. Now, I, I would be down to do an all A-10 schedule. They play 28 games, they play every eight, or, or 26 games rather, play every A-10 team twice. Totally fine with that. But with the problem with that, it's too late to do so, I think. You've already scheduled these games at Bubbleville with Western Kentucky, BC, Seton Hall, all these things. I think it's too late to do that now. I think some teams will try to salvage their season in some conferences by just playing conference schedule, which could hurt them playing only 18 to 20 games compared to other teams who are playing 25 to 30. So again, I mean, if a 10 came out and said only conference games again, would I be upset? Of course, because I know it won't be as much as I would like it to be, but that's the lay of the land right now. Uh, in NCAA, obviously a little skeptical, just hoping the days just keep ticking off with, with no incidents and nothing else happening uh, until their opening game against Stephen F. Austin on the Wednesday. I just want to see you where I play basketball. I'm sure you want to see you where I play basketball, Colin. I'm sure many fans want to play, just want to see something, want to see college basketball help brighten their year uh, in one that's not one to be proud of. A lot of things going on and a lot of conflicts that around basketball can save us all from this distress. So, that's going to do it for us, Colin. Anything else? No, oh, all set. I think I forgot. Uh, Recruiting-wise, David Cox got a big get out of Riverside Poly High School in California. 2022 uh, shooting guard Chance the Sniper Stevens. He shot 46% in his last season from three. Uh, great get for Cox. He was with him all through high school, uh, through eighth grade, and just a great, great recruit uh, for the Rams in two years, I believe, in 2022. So that's going to do it for us for this first portion. And again, right right now, we're about to get into an interview with URI assistant coach Kevin Sutton. I'm super excited, Colin. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's waste no time, and let's get into it. Listeners of the Running Rams podcast, welcome. URI assistant coach, Kevin Sutton. Kevin, how are you doing tonight? Uh, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate this opportunity. Thank you for coming on. I think I can speak for both Colin and I. We're ecstatic to have you on. Uh, Took a little bit to get, you know, 
get this set up, but I guess it's been the whole theme of 2020. It's just been crazy, and I bet it's been for you being a coach for a college basketball team, especially coming uh, down to the wire here before the season starts. So as I assume most of our listeners know, you are the assistant coach at URI, but tell them a little bit about your coaching career before, Brody. Um, well, I've been coaching for 35 years. Uh, really fortunate to get it right into coaching right after I graduated from James Madison University. And then I coached at uh, James Madison for two years as a student assistant coach and a graduate assistant coach. And then I went back to the high school level, uh, went to uh, Flint Hill, where I graduated high school and worked there with Stu Vetter, who's a Hall of Fame coach in the Washington, D.C. area. And I spent 10 years with him, you know, two at Flint Hill, two at uh, Harker Prep in Potomac, Maryland. And then I went on to uh, spend uh, six years with him at St. John's Prospect Hall in Frederick, Maryland, uh, before becoming a, a head coach myself at Montrose Christian in 1999. Um, and then I went to Old Dominion University for two years, uh, came back from Old Dominion and started my second program at Bishop McNamara uh, in the Washington uh, Catholic Athletic Conference. And spent two years there. And then I had a nice eight year run down at Montverde Academy. And then I got back into college coaching <laughs> at uh, George Washington University uh, for two years and where I uh, helped recruit uh, the, 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 the senior player, I recruited the senior players, Joe McDonald, Patricio Garino and Kevin Larson who ended up winning the NIT championship for uh, uh, Saint, uh, George Washington. And then uh, went from George Washington to Georgetown for three years on John Thompson III staff. Um, and then I went to Pittsburgh for two and came. This is my third year here at Rhode Island. And I'm really excited to be here to be a part of the coaching staff that David Cox has put together. What a resume there. I mean, that's a lot going back and forth. I bet, it's, you've, got, I bet you've got tons of experience, both levels across the country. So obviously a basketball guru. When it comes to it, uh, I don't know about a guru. <laughs> Just, uh, I, I would say uh, an experience and a, and a veteran. So I'm really fortunate enough to, to, to have gotten on my career path as soon as I graduated from, uh, from college. And I've been really fortunate enough to have the career that I've had. Um, and along with those that 35 years of you know, coaching experience at the high school, the highest end of high school and at the collegiate level and all the levels, low major, mid-major and high major. I've also uh, you know, worked, at, worked with USA Basketball uh, and was, been with them for three different stints. And uh, that's been a, a great experience for me as well to be, to be able to coach internationally and learn the international game. As you can all, as you and the view, you and the listening audience knows, the, the game of basketball is now a global game. Very interesting. Yeah, you certainly have a background playing the game of basketball. But there's, a, is there kind of like a certain reason, specific reason that made you want to be a basketball coach? Uh, yes. As a matter of fact, um, there is. Um, I was blessed to have great coaches in my life uh, growing up, uh, coaches that impacted my life by pouring into me uh, life lessons. Um, I wanted to be a coach because I had great coaches at the youth level, AAU level, uh, middle school, and high school, and college. And you know, coaches like you know my dad. He was my uh, first assistant coach on the football team, and he put me on different teams um, with great men um, that just, like I said, they poured life lessons into me and they, they cared about me as a student, they cared about me as a person and they cared about me as an athlete. Um, yeah, I, I speak about my AAU coach who just recently passed away. His name is Reginald Kitchen. Um, he was another instrumental figure you know, in my decision to become a coach. My high school coaches, Pat Dolan, and uh, you know, I said uh, before, I mentioned him before, Stu Vetter, who's a Hall of Fame coach in the Washington, D.C. area. And then uh, my college coach, uh, John Thurston, who recruited me to come to James Madison University. And then he uh, saw in me the desire to become a coach and gave me the opportunity to uh, fulfill my dream to become a coach. So uh, the main reason why I got into coaching is because I had great examples uh, growing up and throughout my years of playing uh, sports. Very, very interesting stuff. And that's got to be amazing to have those kind of role models, I would say. Uh, I wouldn't put my words into your mouth, but kind of great basketball mind to all when they're combined, give you that great, great mind for basketball. So again, as mentioned, you've coached everywhere in a lot of different places. 
what was the most important game or most intense game that you ever coached? Um, interesting question. When uh, there, um, you know, like I said, I, I've been coaching for 35 years and uh, been a part of some tremendous games. You know, at the high school level, international. Uh, level for USA basketball um, and at the collegiate level. So uh, this is not a, a not a canned answer, uh, but every game is important, as we all know, uh, because I respect the game so much and I, I really appreciate the opportunity to coach in every game. Um, however, um, I'll say the most memorable games, uh, championships that I've won in like in 1998, I was an assistant coach at St. John's Prospect Hall for, for uh, Stu Vetter. And uh, we won the USA Today National Championship. And we played Oak Hill down in the Dean Smith's, Dean E. Smith's uh, Dean Dome. And we won. And we finished 25-0 and 0 and we won a national championship. Then in 2007, when I was the head coach at Montverde Academy, um, you know, I won a national championship there as a head coach. And then um, for USA Basketball at the U16 and U17 le uh, developmental levels, uh, we won gold medals in back-to-back -back years. And many of those players that were on that team are many of the players that are in uh, the NBA now. Uh, Brad Beal and Quinn Cook was a starting backcourt. Adonis Thomas, uh, uh, Andre Drummond, uh, John Michael uh, McAdoo. Um, the list goes on and on. Uh, Michael Kidd Gilchrist, uh, Justin Anderson, Jason Randall, um, uh, Marcus Teague, uh, Tony Roten, all those guys, all uh, 12, of those, those 12 of those guys have had at least a cup of tea, if not illustrious careers in the NBA. So um, I would say uh, those experiences have been the most memorable. Yeah, moving on now after that, so you've coached at many different schools in your career. Where would you say you have enjoyed coaching the most? Um, I've enjoyed coaching at all of them equally uh, because I've learned from you know each 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 stop and uh, and and worked with uh, tremendous people. So each one of those opportunities have been you know a, a growth opportunity for me. So I enjoyed it because I was working with great people. Uh, first and foremost, I was working with um, great minds you know, for the game of basketball um, and great coaches that, that cared about their players uh, more than just as athletes. So um, all those experiences that, that I've coached at have, have helped gain, uh, helped me gain a tremendous amount of knowledge and, and, and to grow as a coach. Uh, but if I was forced to pick one, um, I would say Georgetown. Um, and the reason why is I grew up in, it grew up in a Georgetown fan. Um, I grew up in Washington, D.C. Um, area, uh, the Northern Virginia area is called the DMV. Um, and big coach Thompson uh, was and still is an icon to me. Um, he, he gave me hope when I was a young, young man coming up in the game of basketball um, as a player. He gave me hope when I became a coach, um, you know, to see someone that looked like me that stood for something that I could become that if I truly put my, you know, efforts into that and worked hard and worked smart. Uh, so he gave me an opportunity to, to witness him uh, build the Georgetown program into the brand that it is today. And he did it the right way. Uh, and he get, like I said, he gave me a tremendous amount of hope that I could do that. And then when I worked there for JT3, I had access to, to big coach um, every day. And he gave me his time, his knowledge, and his wisdom. So I would have to say my, my time at Georgetown um, as an assistant coach uh, afforded me a tremendous opportunity and access to a uh, big coach who's a, like I said, who's still an icon in my book. And, and I also worked uh, on a staff with uh, John Thompson III, who is a tremendous person and tremendous coach. Kevin Brodus, who's the head coach at Morgan State University now, and Tavares Hardy, who's uh, the head coach at Loyola. So we had a tremendous coaching staff. That sounds great. Um... And so going on to my next question, last Thursday night on your Living Trophies Masterclass Zoom, Nate Palmday, your guest, talked about not being one foot in and one foot out when it comes to coaching and career jobs. But not putting it aside, but just letting it known that you shouldn't really be one foot in, one foot out if you want to give your best effort to be a coach and not looking forward. But did, do you have any dreams of becoming a D1 head coach? 
Um, well, first of all, thank you so much, uh, Gavin, for coming last week, you know, to, uh, to the Living Trophies Master Zoom class. We've been doing it since uh, April and it's been a tremendous platform and we've had some outstanding guests and Nate Pomaday, uh, who's the executive assistant, executive director at the NABC last week, did a tremendous job. And uh, what Nate said um, about being all in, you know, is, is, a, is, a, is a nugget of truth. You know, you want to be all in. You want to bloom um, where you're planted. So um, I'm always, you know, blooming where I'm, I'm planted, but I'm also preparing myself uh, for that opportunity. So to answer your question, absolutely. Um, you know, it has been my dream forever. You know, when I first got into coaching and I gave up my playing career and my playing career came to an end and I decided to be a coach, uh, my first dream was to, 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 be, uh, to become a Division I uh, head basketball coach someday. So without question, I, I dream about it every day, you know, and I work towards it every day. Um, you know, but, but, you know, it's always been my dream and a dream I pursue on a daily basis. And, and I believe that every assistant coach should uh, uh, dream of becoming, you know, a head coach. And that's exactly what um, every current head coach uh, that I work for, they, you know, they, they were once an assistant coach. And then they, they, they poured into me telling me that I should have those, you know, those dreams and those aspirations. So I know what it means to be a professional. Uh, so right now I'm trying to, to be the best assistant coach I can be at the University of Rhode Island for David Cox. Very interesting. Now we're going to move on to questions uh, more based on URI itself, as this is a URI basketball podcast. So, Colin, do you want to start it off? Yeah, so how did you end up getting to URI? Um, I came to URI after um, a two-year stint at the University of Pittsburgh. Um, I was on a staff there that um, after two years, we were let go. Uh, we had a brand new athletic director that came in and uh, my boss, Kevin Stallings and, 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 and the athletic director didn't hit it off so well. So, and we had a, a, a losing season, so we were let go. Um, so I came to there, came to URI after that. Um, I'm very grateful to, to David Cox and, and Thor Bjorn, the athletic director here at the University of Rhode Island for hiring me. Um, and when I was making my decision, you know, to uh, which job I wanted to take, I was involved with three schools. I was involved with Charlotte. I was involved with um, South Florida and I was involved here at the University of Rhode Island. So my wife and I, we sat down and we came up with three criteria um, that we were looking for in, in our next move, in our next job. And number one, we wanted to work for a person that I had a prior relationship with. Uh, and knew uh, my value. And uh, I've known David Cox uh, for the better part of 15 years. Um, he played at St. John's High School, had a really good career. I coached against him when he was a player, followed his career to, uh, to William and & Mary. And then when he you know, finished playing at William & Mary, I've continued to follow and compete against him when he got into coaching back in the Washington, uh, D.C. area. So I've known Coach Cox for a while. Um, number two, I wanted to, to be with a program that had, had success and had the ability to sustain, sustain that success, um, especially coming off of an 0-18 team at University of Pittsburgh. Um, I wanted to be with a, with a team that had success. And URI, URI have, has had uh, success. You know, they had gone to back-to-back you know, NCAA tournaments and won first round games in those NCAA tournament. They won the regular season A, uh, A-10 title and then they won a league uh, tournament title. Um, and so uh, I wanted to be a part of a team that had, had success and had the ability to sustain that success. And, and we do have that ability here to sustain the success that, we've, that, that URI has had in the past. And then finally, the third criterion I was looking for um, I, wanted, I wanted my family to live in a place uh, where the quality of life was, was good. And uh, URI checked all three of those boxes. We absolutely love living here in the state of Rhode Island. The quality of life has been, you know, fantastic. Uh, my wife and my oldest, uh, my wife and my youngest daughter, I have four kids, and my youngest daughter is uh, the only one that's in the house. The other, the other ones are, are you know, older. 
and, um, and one son is a senior at George Mason University. So uh, for us, we enjoy living here in, uh, in the state of Rhode Island. It's very comfortable and, and it meets our criteria and the quality of life that we wanted to have. So those are the three things that I was looking for and when I made my decision. And I'm really fortunate and, and, and grateful and thankful um, that I did make that decision to come to the University of Rhode Island. So speaking of, you know, settling in and that quality of life, what has helped you make um, you feel like you or I is home when you have coached at so many different areas across the country? Um, URI is a good place to work. Um, I really enjoy the people that I work with. Uh, Coach Cox has put together a tremendous staff. Um, you know, John Carroll, a season, you know, a, a veteran. And Austin Carroll, his son, is a, a young, dynamic coach. T.J. Buchanan, uh, URI alum, you know, loves this program and is another young and up-and-coming coach. Um, our support staff of, you know, Jarrell Coleman, who, who's a graduate of URI, you know, uh, Sid, who's our video coordinator, and then our director of operations, Ryan McCloskey, you know, uh, just a tremendous group of people. And, uh, you know, I enjoy that. I enjoy working with them on a daily basis. Um, and then also the fan base, uh, we have a tremendous fan base here, you know, uh, in the state of Rhode Island. Um, and they come out and they support us and they believe in us. And, uh, and I really enjoy that. And then finally, the, the Atlantic 10 is a basketball conference. I, I've coached in this, in this conference before at George Washington University. Uh, so I know this conference well. Uh, so now being at Rhode Island and one of the top I would say one of the top teams and the top programs in the A-10. It's a great place to live. You know, it's a great place to work. Um, and I'm really happy and my family is extremely happy here. Yeah, so moving on and to kind of the recruiting aspect, what do you think are kind of those big pieces in place that kind of help bring those recruits to URI? Because you mentioned they're such a powerhouse in the A-10. So what kind of plays into that? that aspect of the recruiting process? Well, one, uh, David Cox. Um, Coach Cox is one of the best, you know, you know, coaches, you know, in this league. And he's, you know, from a recruiting standpoint, he's, he's one proven himself to be a, a tremendous recruiter. And as an assistant coach, it's, it's great to work for a head coach that is a closer. And he's one of the best closers in the business that I've ever worked for. You know, and he's a rising star in his coaching business. So that's number one. Uh, number two, um, we have a tradition of success. Like I said before, you know, uh, University of Rhode Island has had tremendous amount of success. You know, basketball is, you know, I would say it's a flagship sport here. Um, and we are going to be able to continue to sustain that success. Uh, number three, uh, we have the support of the administration. You know, uh, the administration you know, led by Thor Bjorn is – been unbelievable with their their support of us and uh, the administration and you know President Dooley, you know they they continue to you know support us in every way and so we're going to be able to sustain our level of success and, and we're going to be able to increase our success because we have the the, uh, the support of the administration. Number four, we have a tremendous fan base, without question. Our fans come out, they support us, they travel, they support us, they believe in us. Um, and it's just playing in the Ryan Center, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a tremendous atmosphere. So it's a great selling point that we can sell to recruits that they will play in front of a, a fan base that is knowledgeable, a fan base that really cares about, their, uh, about our team. Um, we play in a basketball conference. You know, number five, you know, A10 a is, is a basketball conference. You know, so there's – great level of talent. We're going to see it tonight. You know, the tonight is the draft and it's, you know, Obi Toppin is going to be selected very, very high in the draft, you know? Um, so it's a basketball conference. It's a conference that's produced pros before and continues to produce pros, not just only in the, not only in the NBA, but pros that are playing internationally. Um, so it's a great conference. Number six, um, we live in a beautiful state. The ocean state of uh, Rhode Island is, is a beautiful state. Living in New England is, 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 has been, educational um and it's been you know really really good for for my family you know so i was thinking about it the other day i have 
coached and lived in as far south as Florida and now as far north as, as Rhode Island. So all the way up and down at that eastern, you know, seaboard. Um, so, and I love the state. It's a beautiful state. I, I love living, we live in Jamestown, so we live near water. Um, and so it's just been a beautiful state for us. Um, seven, um, you know, we play a brand of basketball that players want to play in. We play exciting, up-tempo, we're aggressive on the defensive end, you know, uh, Coach you know, Cox gives our players a lot of latitude to, to get up and play in the passing lanes and create offense from our defense. And then from an uh, offensive standpoint, we play fast. We, we push the ball in transition and create, you know, for others as well as ourselves. And then finally, you know, we, we play a style that, that we share the game and we have a great love and, and affinity for each other and, and it shows out on the court. So I would say our, our brand of basketball is exciting to um, recruits. Uh, number eight, we take a holistic approach to development. As a program, we are looking to develop, you know, our student athletes first as people as students second and then as athletes third so and we're 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 committed to that you know we're we are committed to that our, our student athletes student athletes do uh do extremely well you know they graduate coach cox has a hundred percent graduation rate they're doing things in the community like you know special olympics we go to do clinics we go to elementary schools and read to the kids. We feed, and we call it feeding the soul, and that's important to us. And then finally, you know, we uh, we put them in position to win championships and play in the postseason play, which gives them an opportunity to further their careers. And then number nine, um, we produce we produce professionals. And I use the word professional, and I didn't use the word pro, because we want our student athletes to uh, understand that uh, being a professional, you know, gives you an opportunity to have a career, whether it be an athletic career or a career in whatever they want to become, or whether they majored in or in whatever field that they, they go into. So we produce professionals. And then number 10, we graduate our players. Plain and simple. That's our. That's a part of our, our our one of our pillars and part of our objectives, and that's what we do. We graduated our players. So those ten things or ten reasons uh, are why we've been able to recruit at a high level, and why you know student athletes want to come play in this program that uh, Coach Cox is building here at the University of Rhode Island. Well, that's just um, a great list of things, and it really explains how. URI has seemed to bring in some great recruits into the program and help them win games. Talking about recruits, what are some values you take into account when considering uh, these young players and what they can bring to Rhodey? Um, I, I value the, follow, the following. You know, are they serious and committed um, about their education? Like I said before, Coach Cox has, you know, two degrees from William & Mary, which is a prestigious school. And, you know, all of everyone, our coaching staff ha has their, their degrees and we're committed to their education, but we want to make sure that we're getting student athletes that are committed to their education, you know, um, so we value that. Um, you know, are they people of character? We don't want to have people that want to be characters, if you know what I'm saying. You know, we, we want to go after people that are, have tremendous amount of character. We don't want them to go after people that, 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 are, that, are, that are characters, that are, you know, caricatures of somebody else, you know, so we value characters, you know. Um, and then finally, you know, are they passionate and love the game of basketball? Because we have a staff that absolutely loves the game of basketball. So those three things, you know, we, we, uh, you know I value, and when I look at a recruit, you know, how serious and committed they are to uh, their academics. Um, are they people of character? You know, and finally, are they passionate about the game of basketball? And do they love the game of basketball? Are they committed to the game of basketball? Yeah, it definitely shows why Rhodey has done so well over the past couple of years. And moving on now to kind of the elephant in the room with this college basketball season is how COVID is going to affect it. But what has it been like this year with practices being different and COVID obviously being a factor in creating just a much different environment for the season? Well, first and foremost, uh, David Cox has been an outstanding leader during these difficult times in our country, uh, leading us through a health pandemic, which is the coronavirus, 
um, leading us through, you know, racial and social pandemic uh, with the unrest and the, and uh, that's going on and civil unrest that's going on in our country. And then also dealing with the, the fallout of the election. You know, Coach Cox has been uh, a tremendous leader in leading us through all of that, uh, more so than being a head coach, uh, because those things that, I, that we just talked about, the health pandemic, the social unrest and that pandemic, and then also the fallout of what we've seen with the election, those things all factor into the well-being of our student athletes, the emotional and uh, mental well-being of our student athletes. That we, so we take that very seriously, and, and that's why he's been a tremendous leader, because he's been spending so much time, and, and our staff has been spending so much time to make sure that our student athletes are in a very good mental state before we can uh, talk to them about ball screen coverage or talk to them about sprinting back on defense or you know making you know plays that are actually take place on the court you know we have to make sure that they are in a good emotional state so coach cox has done a tremendous job with dealing all that and like i said i call him a leader you know more than a head coach uh, because he has a tremendous emotional intelligence tremendous emotional intelligence. Some people call it feel, but he has a tremendous emotional intelligence and, and he has connectivity with our student athletes, our players. He's totally in tune with them and he understands and, and, and our staff does a good job of, of being connected with them as well. So once we you know, can get to their hearts, then, then we can get to, their, get to their minds before we can teach them anything you know, physically. Um, and he has educated, you know, our players, he's empowered our players, he's involved our players in our entire program. Um, so with all that being said, you know, we do all, we take care of all those things before we, we uh, um, you know, get on the court physically. And we do it on a daily basis. So then now that we've been on the court and had the opportunity to, to practice and, and, and it's been really good. It's been a safe haven. The guys have come and they've worked very, very hard um, on the court to, 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 to learn basketball in preparation for this, for the season, which is, you know, we leave next uh, Monday. So, and they, they've been through an, an awful lot uh, with the coronavirus, like I said, with the social pandemic, you know, and as well as, you know, the fallout that's happened with the, with the election. So now they're, they're, they're ready to, to, to play. Uh, we had a, you know, after practice today, Coach Cox asked him how many of guys, by a show of hands, how many of you are tired of practicing? And every hand went up because they're all ready to play. You know, they're ready to do what they love. They do what they, they know how to do best, you know, and they can, that's something that they can control. So we, we talk often about controlling what you can control and trying to eliminate the things that you cannot control. And it all starts with our, our leader, David Cox, and then it trickles down to, you know, every person and it affects every person in our program all the way down to our managers. And again, it goes back to Coach Cox's uh, level of emotional intelligence. Definitely. You've been at URI now for three years. It's going to be your third season. Who has been the biggest alpha or greatest leader that you've, ever, that you've seen at your time while at URI? <laughs> Uh, I try to stay away from like uh, words like greatest, um, but uh, first I, 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 I'll give you an answer, but I mean, I, I study leadership, you know, I, I read about it. I study you know, leadership all the time. So, you know, three things that, three things that I've learned, you know, uh, about leadership is that leadership and followership are go hand in hand and they're vitally important to achieving success. That's the first thing I know. You know, second, I also have learned that player, a player-led team is better than a coach, uh, more successful than a coach-led team. And then third, you know, um, you know, three people, uh, you know, uh, you know, people lead, uh, you know, through their personalities, you know, and then they lead in different ways. You know, and the best teams have a vocal leader, you know, best teams, um, you know, have, you know, guys who lead by example and, the best teams, you know, always have a combination of a vocal and an exam a leader who leads by example. So in my three years here, you know, I would say the best leaders that uh, that we've had, uh, you know, have been Jeff Doughton. Jeff was a tremendous leader because he led, you know, by example. He was going to be on time. He was going to do the right thing. He was going to, you know, take any and every interview in, uh, uh, you know, in never speaking to third person. He you know, always put his teammates first. So he, he led by example. You know, and then the other one would be, uh, you know, Fast Russell, 
you know, Fats is a, is a tremendous leader that has continued to evolve into a leader. Um, he's very, very emotional, um, and he can be very vocal at times. You know, last year, I think, it, you know, everyone uh, around our program and around the nation saw, you know, Fats mature and evolve into not only a, one of the top players, you know, in Atlantic 10, but also one of the top players in the country. Uh, but that was all through his his maturation. That that and the credit goes to himself that he uh, did some soul searching and he and started to, you know, learn in, uh, about himself and become more self aware. And then he just became a, a tremendous leader. He's a, he was an emotional leader, um, as you know if you come to the games. He's when he hits a big shot, he's going to put his hand to the ear, his, to his ear to hear the fans. And he's going to throw his hands up and down to get the fans up. Um, and that's who he is. And uh, he's also going to get a technical <laughs> from time to time because he's, he, he plays with a tremendous amount of emotion, but those two complement each other. Well, you know, Jeff was more of the cerebral vocal leader, you know, and, and Fats was more of that, you know, a rah, 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 mm-hmm. uh, uh, emotional leader. Yeah, you mentioned those guys who are kind of the the composed players, the guys who are more serious and they're always kind of in the moment. But is there a kind of guy in the locker room or at practice who's kind of like the jokester, kind of keeps the mood light for the team when there there can be a little bit of tension or it's, you know, a very serious kind of moment? Is there someone who kind of stands out to you in that regard? Yeah, and those guys are important to the team as well. I mean, those those, those guys are really, really important to the team. You know, uh, and those two guys are – we have two of them. Um, Antoine Walker, you know, uh, transferred from Georgetown. is from the Washington, D.C. area. Played sparingly, uh, you know, was part of our top seven last year. We'll have a bigger role this year. Uh, he's, he's, a, he's so funny. You know, he's full of energy. He's always on go. He's, he, he likes to stir the pot. You know, he's the straw that stirs the drink from time to time. Um, but it's all in love. Everybody on the team loves him. He has a relationship with every person on the team. Um, and the second guy is DeVell Johnson, who redshirted last year. You know, DJ is another guy that, you know, uh, gets along with everybody on the team. Uh, he pokes fun at people, but he's but he can also uh, receive, be the brunt of other people, especially Antoine's jokes and antics as well. So those two guys just – you know, are, are tremendous, you know, in the locker room when it comes to keeping the mood, you know, light um, and full of, you know, uh, enjoyment. So. Yeah. I've seen on Twitter, a couple of sources saying how, you know, DeVale's, a, uh, um, he's mood lightener and actually surprises me with Antoine Walker. I mean, he's, he's a tough basketball player. He, you know, is a grinder player and Hey, whatever, whatever keeps him going. All right, last question before we get into our little end with like with some culture questions. Is there any coach in the A10 conference that stands out to you? Um, coaches in the conference, we have a this is a very good conference uh, for coaches. Um, but my my top three would be David Cox, um, Anthony Grant, and uh, Mike Rhodes. And and that's a, that's a holistic reason. I mean, it's, it's a holistic reason as to reason as to why I chose them. It's not so much as you know, X and no or anything like that. And it's just not just one dimensional. They're, they're multidimensional coaches, you know, in, in my, in my, in my opinion. And so I would say David Cox, I would say Anthony Grant, and I would say Mike Rhodes. Yeah. Anthony Grant has done a great job over there at Dayton turning it or turning that program around after Archie Miller left. And he, you know, he's a great example. I think I, I see many people praise him for what he does coaching. And I mean, obviously it's working. And and same with Mike Rhodes down there. VCU cranks out great head coaches to go to either bigger colleges or um and such. So again, another great coach there. Is there is there one in the rest of Division One, not necessarily in the A ten, uh, that you admire? Yeah, there, I mean there there are a lot of guys, but I'm biased. Uh Tommy Amaker is my first cousin and uh he and I grew up together and played basketball together and we're we're god brothers and cousins and best friends so i'm biased uh what ta has done at harvard university is remarkable and it will go down in history you know he's built a a tremendous program um that year in and year out uh uh does it the right way and i say that in in every regard with regard with so much uh, respect and admiration and i and i so with that being said you know tommy amaker is 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 
in my opinion, uh, one of the outstanding coaches in this in this college basketball. Yeah, it's definitely a good answer. And as Gavin mentioned, we're going to move on to kind of that culture section here. So we got to ask, is there kind of like a pregame meal or routine that you have before arriving at the Ryan Center? Um, well, I'll give you two. Um, because there's a home and away routine. Um, you know, the, the home routine is, you know, when, we, when I, I come to work at my normal time and I don't leave until the game is over. I, I like to stay in the, in, in the, the facilities all day, um, you know, and, and, and just uh, go about my day um, as I normally do. I get my guys out on the floor um, to get their shots uh, before we go through walkthrough. Walkthroughs are, you know, an hour and, and they're intense. And so when it after walkthrough is over, I will, you know, grab, you know, whatever we have for a pregame meal, usually skirt steak and some vegetable medley, you know, uh, some bread uh, and some water. Um, and then go to the locker room and decompress. And then I will, you know, iron my clothes because that's a, that's a, a, a way for me to decompress. And, and, um, and if it's my scout, I, I'll go and put the information up on the board, you know, and then get back to the locker room. And then we have a routine where certain players come out at a certain time guards. Last year was Jeff and Fats, and they take the court and we go through our shooting routines. And then, um, you know, we have bigs and guards and then we go through that. So that's, that's my routine on a day of a game at home, uh, on the road. Um, you know, it depends on you know, if we have a shoot around what time the, the, the game is. But uh, again, I just try to uh, relax as much as I possibly can by listening to Christian music or something motivational or reading something um, so I can just uh, relax it, you know, relax my mind in preparation for the game that we have, especially if it's my scout. You know, um, you're, you're a little nervous. <laughs> have I covered everything? Is the team prepared? So you try to uh, relax your mind, you know, uh, if you can. Iron my clothes. Um, my favorite meal on the road is, like I said, skirt steak, uh, vegetable medley, some form of potatoes, uh, fruit, and, uh, and bread. Um, I don't like to get too filled up, um, so it'll be proportion size. And then after the game, you know, I, I usually have uh, buffalo tenders. So We're all superstitious, you know, whatever works. Yeah, whatever works for us to get the job done is, is great. Um, yeah, that's true. Moving on, what is, I think some people might want to know, favorite movie that, that you have, your favorite movie? Um, my, my favorite movies, um, uh, I have two of them, um, are Remember the Titans. Um, and the reason why is because I grew up in the, the D.C. area, like I said before, um, and Remember the Titans was about a high school, T.C. Williams High School in Alexandria, Virginia, in the early 70s. And I remember uh, that very vividly. You know, um, my sisters uh, graduated high school and they played against, T they graduated from high school at Falls Church in 72, 73, and 74. So they would always play T.C. Williams and, um, and I would go to the football games and I remembered everything, you know, that they showed in the, in the movie. And then also, you know, Denzel Washington is one of my, my all-time favorite actors. So I, I, and I love the story. It's a, it's a great story. This interesting enough is still relevant today. Um, and the second movie is is Hoosiers. I I watch Hoosiers every beginning beginning of every basketball season. You know, so much so that I you know, obviously I know the lines in the movie. And I know that Jimmy Chipwood's going to hit the shot, but I I'm on the edge of my seat until he does. Um, but there's some great things um, from that movie that as I've gotten older and more oftentimes I've looked at it, I've learned a great deal. You know how a coach can you know. Uh, go from a, a negative experience and then almost be out of coaching to get back into coaching to get another chance and how he stuck to his guns and he built his team and then how he, you know, also took the opportunity to invest in someone else and um, believe in them, you know, and give them an opportunity uh, as he did with the assistant coach. So those two movies are, are my favorite. 
Yeah, those are definitely some of my favorite uh, movies as well. Gotta love Hoosiers and uh, Remember the Titans. So um, moving on, you obviously live in Jamestown. Is there, is there kind of a certain place in Rhode Island that's your favorite? Jamestown. <laughs> Jamestown's my favorite. Um, it's a tremendous island. And, uh, you know, Beavertail is uh, my favorite place. You know, I enjoy going up there and uh, just at the lighthouse and looking around and looking out into the vastness of the, of the ocean, you know, and so it's, it's, I enjoy it. I enjoy it tremendously. It's and our family, my family enjoys it. So we, we enjoy living in, in Jamestown, the quaintness of the town. Um, it fits us as a family very well. Yeah. Jamestown is a great place to be. I mean, over quarantine, my family, uh, between like my brother and my dad, we've gone to Jamestown golf course, tons of tons of times you know it's a great place love going over the bridge you always get good views and i i if i lived in jamestown i probably wouldn't disagree if i were you so <laughs> going on to our last question here there's a big miscon not misconception but a big conception that working out really isn't good for basketball players or certain things and i was just curious what's your bench press what's it looking like <laughs> <laughs> I haven't bench pressed in a, in a long time, but bench press is, is, it was my favorite exercise. And, and I was going to tell you a little tidbit. When I was in college, umpteen years ago, I was, uh, got the title for being pound for pound the strongest player on my team at James Madison University. So I was 155 pounds, and I could bench press 265. And uh, so uh, that was my claim to fame. You know, that was pound for pound. Um, you know, strongest player, you know, on, on, on the team, but I haven't bench pressing in a long time, but that, that, that exercise was, was my favorite. You know, I had good technique. I had good form, you know, um, so I could, you know, bench press consistently over 200 pounds, you know, when I was working out on a regular basis. Now I do a lot of stretching go to, you know, do a lot of different exercises trying to get into some, some aerobics and I jump rope a lot. Love it. That, that's, that's my best exercise. Well, I think that sums it up. Uh, Colin, anything else you got? No, no, not at all. Thanks for coming on. We were, yeah, thank you so much really for taking time. I know it's close to the season. Um, just thank you so much for coming on. Uh, me and Colin, once we knew that you can come on, we're so excited to have you on. And it was just a great interview. Oh, the pleasure is all mine. I wish you guys the, the best of luck. And I think what you're doing is fantastic, especially at your ages. And I would continue to, to, uh, to challenge you both to you know, keep striving you know, keep sharing and keep serving, you know, and then if you do those three things, then you're eventually going to do the fourth, which is keep soaring. Okay. Well, thank you so much. All right. Yeah, thank you. Best of luck. Once All right. Yeah. Best of luck to you in the Rams this season. Take care. Again, a huge thank you to Kevin Sutton for coming on. I had a great time. I'm pretty sure you did as well, Colin. He answered all of our questions uh, perfectly and got all the answers we wanted. So we're very grateful for him to come on and take time out of his uh, busy schedule. As again, roadie hoops is only one week away. We're almost there folks. I'm so excited for the season and that will do it for today's podcast. We went over you rise future games against Towson and Stephen F. Austin next week uh, for the open, for their opening games. And then of course, talked about the a 10 a little bit. And now, had Kevin Sutton on, which was great and uh, was tremendous. And that's going to end it for this episode. Colin, anything else? Wednesday, 1130. I'm ready. I can not. I hope you guys can't either. Stay safe. Rody, rody, rody.